Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Letter of Law Interviews. My name is Sarthak Bharadwaj, and in today's episode, I am extremely delighted and thrilled to be in conversation with Ms. Almitra Gupta. Ma'am is a lawyer who graduated from GLC Mumbai and worked at some of the finest law firms in India, including Juriscorp and Siddhalamachan Mangaldas. Ma'am then went on to obtain her LLM degrees from King's College London and University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Ma'am has also worked with Linklaters, which is one of the topmost global law firms in the Singapore office. And Ma'am presently works as a capital markets associate in England, and she's presently based out of London. In addition to all that, Ma'am has also been admitted to the coveted New York bar, and she is a dual qualified lawyer. And in today's episode, uh, we will be speaking with Ma'am about her journey, and hopefully uh, our audience who are hoping to chart out a similar path will stand to benefit from it. With that said, Almitra Ma'am, thank you so much for taking the time out and being here with me today. Thank you very, very much, Sarthak. I mean, it is my honor and my privilege to be here and be sharing my story and trajectory. And I, I must uh, say that you're doing a very, very good job. So thank you so much for even deeming me worthy enough to be on this platform with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, so to start this off, ma'am, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, you went to GLC. So uh, yeah. what, was, what were some of the activities that you were involved in and what was it like studying law back then? Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, this this has to take me back in quite a bit. Uh, but I graduated from GLC in 2013, and I started off law school in GLC 2008. Um, and it was a very different experience back then to go to law school. I will start with, you know, why I decided to study law. I think I was always driven to study law. I don't have this one nirvana moment when I realized how I want to study only law. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that great a story. But um, I really always enjoyed uh, public speaking. I never had a fear of public speaking. And so I thought that maybe I should do law. Probably I can do litigation. But look where I am. <laughs> Absolutely different. But uh, that's what got me to, you know, going to government law college. And the reason I chose GLC was because I wanted to be in Bombay with my parents. More importantly, I wanted to go to a law school which, um, you know, had a very balanced focus on uh, extracurricular activities as well as, you know, law schooling and the actual education, of course. And GLC is the best platform to do that in, in Mumbai because we can start interning from very early on, which gives us a lot of exposure to, you know, real life experiences and what it is truly like to go and litigate, go go to the Bombay High Court, you know, um, help prepare a brief to your counsels or even in corporate law, you know, researching or finding judgments and developing your, you know, analysis and analytical skills. So that's why I chose GLC, I would say. And uh, in terms of the activities that I was involved, um, you know, while at GLC, I was part of the Social Service League, which gave me a lot of insight into what we as law students could do at that point in time, uh, you know, with whatever we knew in terms of, you know, maybe it could be fundraising events, but going and speaking to the police commissioners, you know, just getting all those things together, uh, understanding the logistics of delivering, you know, even in 
invitation cards uh, for mood code competitions. And it now seems very trivial, but small things like that really helped me because, for example, when I was part of the mood code association in third year at GLC, I was given the task of giving 50 invites in one day uh, across Bombay. It was very tedious, a lot of legwork because I come from, uh, you know, New Bombay. I lived in New Bombay. So, you know, in Bombay, jurisdictionally and geographically, I was not very savvy. But traveling and meeting senior councils like Aspi Chinoy, uh, you know, Janak Dwarkadas, it really opened my mind uh, to what their lives are like, and, you know, how they live their lives, what they study, what is the amount of reading that they do. Um, and it was, you know, um, going and meeting Daraya's Kambata and giving him a, an invitation to come and, you know, judge our mood code competition. It was surreal. Let me put it that way. And then transitioning from third year where I was just going and giving invitations. I remember I told my mother that, you know, I gave an invitation card to Daraya's Kambata and I really admired him as, as a counsel. And she told me that, you know, so this was an invitation for what? And I said, this is for MC Chagla mood code competition. She said, next time, I hope that, you know, you're not just inviting him, but you are able to like present your arguments before him. And I mean, how luck would have it that in fourth year we did that and he was my semi-final, you know, MC Chagla judge and we ended up winning the mood court competition. So it was a very, very, uh, you know, uh, truly enriching experience. I still get goosebumps when I think about it. I think I've been truly blessed uh, in many, many ways. Uh, but GLC as a platform gives you a lot of exposure to do all these things, you know. Then I joined Juriscop in third year. So in terms of the activities, it was a broad range. I did internships at Juriscop. You know, I started my articleship basically to become a solicitor in with the you know Bombay Incorporated Law Society. At the same time, I was participating in mood code competitions, months, uh, writing a tax research paper for the Nani Palkiwala you know research competition. And it gave me a breadth of uh, exposure to what legal writing and analysis is, what argumentating skills are like, what it is like to think on your feet in an intra-competition, intra-moot court competition, inter-college you know, inter moot court competition. How do you really rebut arguments? How do you prepare, uh, you know, think on the spot? And as well as obviously going to Juriscop and learning a whole lot of skills. I mean, yeah. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing your journey with us, ma'am. And like you mentioned, so you joined Juriscorp right in your third year and you joined them as an associate and you worked with them for about over five years, if I understand correctly, after right. which you moved to Cyril Amachan Mangaldas. So right. tell us a little bit about the experience of working at some of the finest corporate law firms of our country. And also, what was it like to transition from one firm to another? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. I think I would say that, you know, I started at Juriscop in 2011, 2nd May 2011, and I left Juriscop on 2nd May 2017. Oh. Uh, so five years, um, six years. So, but it was the best experience. Let me put it that way. Because when I joined Juriscop, I joined as a trainee. So, you know, I was in many ways, um, felt like homegrown in that place where every senior took the effort to know me, to understand what my strengths were, to develop those strengths and skill sets. Um, so it started with researching, you know, helping my senior partner prepare a brief or a memo or a legal analysis for some question asked by a client. 
Um, and I remember my first experience was um, working on a very important litigation, which was again in the news, you know, Wokart matter litigation where foreign currency bondholders were awarded priority uh, in payment of dues. And that was the first time that it ever happened, uh, you know, uh, uh, ever a ruling came by the Bombay High Court where foreign creditors were given priority over secured domestic creditors. And a lot of research went into it, a lot of like finding arguments, finding dissents. Um, and that's what made me realize that I'm very interested in, you know, corporate aspects of law, uh, bondholder litigation and all that. So that was Juriscop uh, in the first two years. Then when I graduated out of GLC, I became an associate, uh, you know, by default, so to speak. And that's the year in 2015 when I also gave my solicitor's exam. Um, and as an associate, my roles and responsibilities changed, of course. Uh, you suddenly feel that you are no more a trainee where everything that you send, your work product will not always be checked by an associate, but rather now you are in that position. So it br br brings with it a lot of um, you know, responsibility, uh, but good responsibility where you want to own up to your work product. So you are more careful about what you say, how you say, what you write, how you present. And, you know, moving on, growing in that role to, you know, becoming a senior associate was also very different because um, it meant that I had to lead teams. I had to, you know, uh, uplift and, you know, uh, work along with people who are working with me. It was not just me, me all by myself, but it was a team of people. We had to be collaborative. We had to be team players in meetings, making sure that everyone gets a say on the table. Everyone is able to you know, present what they are thinking, what they think is important, how we can make something different. And that those skill sets that I learned were very meaningful. And in terms of my transition um, you know, to Cyril Amarchand Mangaldas, the primary reason for me to do that was because I wanted a little more exposure to equity capital markets. And I had done a lot of debt capital markets um, and financing real estate and conveyancing related things back in Juriscop. I wanted a little more exposure. And Amarchand was again a very, very good experience because it opened my mind and eyes to what it really meant to be, uh, you know, quintessential capital markets lawyer, what it means to help companies that are early stage who just have an idea you know you learn all about you read all about in the newspaper unicorns and you know startup companies who have great ideas but what it means to take these companies ideas to uh, fruition in terms of getting them to raise funds so that they can use the funds and then deploy the funds to do something more meaningful is something that made me feel like I am, you know, driving impact. I'm doing something more purposeful, which makes me wake up every morning with, uh, you know, a sort of a mission statement that, yes, I am doing something that helps and benefits someone from my skills and, you know, talent. Um, so that's my that's been my transition, and it was very smooth. Um, I learned a very different skill sets at both both law firms, and both law firms were very very good, um, and very very encouraging, very um, you know collaborative workspaces, exceptionally good deal work that gives you exposure to everything. And I will definitely highlight that it, the beauty about Indian law firms is that. As juniors, you get opportunities to lead things right from the get-go. You don't need to wait to become a senior associate or, you know, get a title to do something. Indian law firms, just by virtue of their working model, give you a lot of opportunity if, of course, you are diligent, sincere, and have the, you know, uh, drive and mission um, and 
um, you know, sincerity to work hard, they will invest in you. They will provide you the platform for growth. They will give you opportunities to interface with the client, you know, speak to the client, answer to the client, think about it. Uh, so autonomy, essentially, you know, autonomy to um, have your own working day, uh, you know, decide what is it that you are going to answer to the client. Of course, you see seniors will always be there to bounce off an idea, but they will give you a lot of, uh, you know, running pedestal to uh, just fly which is the beauty of indian law firms wonderful that sounds exciting and thanks for sharing your experiences ma'am so after having worked in corporate law firms for almost seven years you chose to pursue higher legal edu legal education and went to king's college london before we start speaking about your llm experiences ma'am what made you choose uh, higher legal education after being a corporate lawyer for so long Okay, I'm trying to go and give a very succinct answer to this one. <laughs> but uh, I think there was only one trigger for me personally. Um, when I was working at Juriscop and Amarchand Mangaldas, both places, uh, because of the nature of uh, transactions that I was a part of, all these cross-border transactions, you know, money flowing, financing transactions, capital markets, I realized two things. One is that most of these cross-border trade-related matters or transactions, you know, corporate matters where money inflow, outflow happens, big M&A deals, you know, um, Vodafone buying Hutchinson. All of those are generally governed by either New York law or by England and Wales law. And the reason for that is because of the jurisprudential certainty that these jurisdictions lend to corporate law. Historically, such rich jurisprudence that investors who invest millions and billions of dollars have a lot more certainty that their money will come back. Their money will come back to them if, uh, you know, in the event that the company that has borrowed, the borrower goes bankrupt or, you know, it is unable to pay its dues and debts as time goes. And I realized that I really wanted to study, um, you know, laws of another jurisdiction that gave me the exposure and opportunity to learn that. That was one. And the other thing was that uh, in all these transactions that I was put on and by God's grace and just, you know, extreme gratitude to everybody who thought and deemed me worthy of being on those Every transaction had an element where I was uh, working with team members from international law firms, for example, Norton Rose Fulbright, DLA Piper. And till today, I have a lot of great friends in each of these law firms. And I think what it did to me is it made me realize the quality of work product that comes out of these law firms. And I really thought that, uh, I mean, it was it was very, you know, very interesting for me to think that let me give it a try. Let me try and pursue higher education and see what it is like. Uh, and so that's why I decided to, you know, pursue my higher education after so many years. Yeah. Great. And then, ma'am, you chose the executive LLM program at King's. Can you tell us a bit about this particular program and your experience at King's? I'm sure it must have been great. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, first and foremost, why did I choose King's College Executive LLM? Because I will be very, uh, you know, candid and honest about this. Financing was an issue. Um, you know, despite uh, whatever we earn at Indian law firms, the reality is that a foreign LLM is a very expensive experience. And we are talking about foreign currency, here, right? So either USD or pounds, which is <laughs> a whole lot. So despite earning whatever we may earn and whatever we may end up saving by God's grace, it's still not enough to, you know, meet the fund funding requirements to pursue a master's abroad. 
King's College was the King's College Executive LLM offered me two things which made sense and you know hit my checklist that time. One is that it gave me a full scholarship based on you know merit, based on whatever I had studied, my education, uh, my work experience. They thought that I am worthy of a full scholarship. So that was one. And the second reason was that an executive LLM basically meant that I did not have to personally be in King's College all throughout the duration of the education, but I had to go to King's College London five times in a span of 18 months, each for you know a month. Um, so that was about six months I spent in London. And um, the beauty of that program is that there are only 25 students selected across the globe uh, from different nationalities, different countries. So it really blew my mind when I first joined the program because I realized that I was the youngest in the batch of 25 students. And some of my batchmate, one batchmate of mine was a partner at Squire Patent Box now, who is uh, at Squire Patent Box now in the US. Uh, somebody was uh, you know, chairman and judge of the tax court of appeal in Trin Trinidad. Wow. And those experiences made me feel conversations with them, you know, discussing uh, geopolitical issues or, you know, legal international law issues. It made me realize that there is so much that I don't know. It is that experience that made me also realize again, you know, why I wanted to do a full-time LLM. And I'm guessing probably that might be your next question. Uh, right. So thanks for that, ma'am. And yes, that is my next question because you pursued another LLM from University of Pennsylvania. So, wow, two LLMs, what <laughs> made you go for another one and this time in the US rather than uh, UK? I would say that, you know, uh, quite a few reasons. I would say number one is that the King's College LLM, you know, like I said, the the foundation of the program is just 25 students. I took banking and finance um, as my core specialization. So I started learning a lot about uh, you know, banking and finance regime in Europe. Uh, but it also, I had also opted for one subject called fintech, um, you know, financial technologies. And that gave me insight into, you know, all this, the world of bitcoins and blockchains and Ethereum. And it was fascinating. And I realized that this whole world of uh, fundraising and capital markets is so important. It is almost like the nerve center of any economy, you know, for or in order for an economy to go, there has to be spending, there has to be, you know, there have to be purchases. So it's a demand supply, right? That's fund fundamental economics. And I realized that I genuinely wanted to pursue and study, take a deeper dive in capital markets. Uh, capital markets really intrigued me and interested me. And um, there was no better place than going to the holy grail of capital markets, which is the United States. Um, and so I thought, let me go to the US to do a full-time education. Um, and the reason I decided to pursue a full-time LLM was because I wanted to take the New York bar. And you know, again, connecting the dots, looking backwards, I realized that New York law was was the most important and primarily uh, governing law for all these cross-border transactions. And so it made sense for me, number one, to take the New York bar, to be New York bar qualified. And in the US, in order to be New York bar qualified, you have to do a full-time LLM. There is no other way around it. Uh, you cannot do, you cannot not do an LLM and take the New York bar. You are ineligible to give it. You can only do that in California, but there are some exceptions to that. I am not aware, so I will not speak for that. 
But in order to be New York qualified, you have to do a full-time LLM from an AB accredited law school. So I decided to, you know, uh, take my put my stakes on the table, take a leap of faith, apply for a full-time master's degree, and go to do my master's at Penn. That's wonderful. Now, ma'am, since most of our viewers are law students, there are some specific questions about LLMs that I'd like to ask you. Uh, the first sure. one is, like you mentioned. managing finances for an llm can be an extremely difficult task especially yeah. if someone's planning <laughs> to go to uk or usa uh, yeah. so what kind of advice would you give to law students who might be watching this uh, how can they manage their finances and what kind of scholarships can they look at yeah sure absolutely um i will say three things number one is that definitely Uh, do not go to do an LLM. This is just my opinion. Again, let me caveat it big time. Uh, you know, do not go to do an LLM immediately straight out of law school because your opportunity for getting a job gets largely diminished. Uh, because, and I, I'll tell you the story why in a minute. But number two is that that time. So you you graduate out of law school in India. You do your LLB. You take two three years to work. I'm not suggesting five or seven years like I did. but 3 years is a good timeline that much time you know save of course some money that you get in your uh, law firm or wherever you are working and then use that corpus to try and get either a student loan and at the same time also apply for scholarships now student loans i know there are two avenues one is called empower finance and the other is called prodigy finance and both are very good they provide student education loan specifically focused for law students um and prodigy finance is uh, something that i used it is it is it is very good in terms of the terms of the loan of course the interest rates are high um we need to be aware that you know um education loan interest rates are high but those are not collateralized so that means that if you take a normal loan from hdfc or bank of india you will have to give your own home uh, you know title documents as mortgage which is little risky for your parents who are back home you know god forbid something ever happens but in prodigy finance or empower there is no collateral they are so then your question a student's question would be then how do they give you so much money it is on the bet that you are going to such a good law school that you will end up doing well and that you will build a beautiful career out of which you will be able to repay back your loan and that is um risk that they take on you and of course that also means that that risk on their end comes with a lot of responsibility on your shoulders to do well at the law school to do sincerely you know well in your academics and all that um and the third thing i would talk about is scholarships so the scholarships that are offered are a lot of them i will tell you the ones that uh, you know i applied to one is the fulbright scholarship which is a very very prestigious um scholarship to get um the other one there is rd sethna scholarship there is um inlakshiv desani scholarships um and then there are tata scholarships there are quite a few scholarships that can be seen um you know and i will also uh recommend one particular website scholarships.com if i'm not wrong which has a list of all the scholarships that law students can look at those are very very helpful uh, and no harm applying to all of them in parallel you know uh, you never know which one can work out because even small small uh, pieces of scholarship can be become a large sum it's like you know hum kehte hai boond boond se ghat bharta hai so it's a little like that and um, i mean 
I think I was going to come back to uh, the point that I was going to come back to was about, you know, how um, taking that scholarship and everything makes you a little more responsible because not the scholarship, the student loan, a little more responsible because when you, when I took the loan from Prodigy Finance, it made me a little more aware that when I went to law school, one, I needed to do a research assistant or a teacher assistantship because that would give me some weekly money that I could use for my daily expenses while living in Philadelphia. And so whatever I would earn would, you know, help me repay back. The other point that I was Going to circle back on was how um, the job market system works, but I will leave that when you, you know, I will come to that when you ask me that question. Sure. Uh, thanks for that, ma'am. Actually, this was my next question. Uh, okay. And though you already answered it previously, because I was going to ask, should law students uh, work a bit in India and then move abroad? But you've already answered that. And the next question is about the jobs. Most people go to an LLM thinking that it might land them a job, but uh, from my conversations with people and whatever little research I've done, I found that it's not that easy. Uh, what has your own experience been like, ma'am? And especially in this time of the pandemic, how easy, difficult yeah. do you think um, is it for Indian law students to get a job after a foreign LLM? <laughs> yeah, this is the, always the hardest question to answer. And I will put my hand on my heart and say it is incredibly hard. Um, but I will not dissuade anybody from doing an LLM just because it is hard. Um, you know, there is beauty in getting something that is difficult. Um, there is a lot of uh, sense of fulfillment, satisfaction. It's very personally rewarding um, when you feel that you did it despite all the odds. And I will say this to all the listeners that when I spoke to, uh, you know, seniors who had passed out from law schools before me, they all told me that it is very hard and it is indeed hard. And I appreciate everybody who told me the truth that it is hard, but just because something is hard does not mean you do not do it. So you need to prepare yourself for a mindset of utmost resilience and grit that despite all the odds, I'm going to put my sincere best foot forward and then leave it to God and to destiny because there are some things that are beyond your control. But there are things that are within your control that you can do, which can help you land a great job. So number one is network, network, network. I mean, whether you go to the US or you go to the UK, it is a fundamental principle. You have to network. Out of sight is out of mind. If people do not know you, you will not be seen. If, if you are not seen, they don't know what you are doing. If they don't know what you are doing, you cannot expect them to care. Very simple and straightforward. Really no, uh, you know, not, no rocket science about this. And so how do you network? A lot of students ask me, how do you network? And I had recommended this before, and I will say this now. There is a book by Keith Farazi, which is Never Eat Alone. I highly recommend reading that book. There are, there are 10 tips given in that book on how to network. So it could start from right day one of your law school back in India. You don't even need to wait to do an LLM. So when you meet professors, try to look up their background, see what they have done, you know, understand what their interest areas are. Maybe uh, tell the professor that you want to, you know, co-author something with the professor. Professors are always looking for people who are curious, who are, um, you know, interested in helping them, assisting them. And that's how you will learn as well. So that's step one. Step two is whenever Indian law students start internships, while you are doing your internship job, don't just treat it as a job. Treat it, have a more entrepreneurial mindset that it is your own 
your own company how would you want to grow it if it is your own baby you would want to take care of it nurture it learn something from it you know maybe do a little bit of business development see what is it that you can bring into the firm rather than just what is it that i can get from the law firm how much money it is paying me what benefits i'm getting we never take a step back in india and think what is it that i can do to the firm so you know try to think about it and everybody has some skill sets everybody so a lot of times we feel that yaar mujhe nahi aata bd i don't know how to do business development i don't think that is true because the reality is it all comes down to survival of the fittest so if you were on a land all alone barren land and you had to do something to eat you would do something to eat that's exactly how it is and so it is only when push comes to shove that you actually take the effort to think what is it that i will do so you need to develop that mindset especially if any student wants to go abroad because that is critical to thriving living surviving in these countries um it's like you know shark tank and it's better that students are prepared early on uh, rather than it coming as a complete shock and you are thinking that oh this is like suits and how we specter it's really not all that fancy when you actually get in because it's a lot of hard work a lot of dedication a lot of endless nights of research and everything um but so th- that is very very important and i will say that you know um the other thing that i would say is important is that build a mindset that i will not give up despite the odds so network not give up despite the odds speak to people connect with them take them out for coffee uh, you know meet them over for tea coffee anything that you like build a rapport with people not because you want to always gain something out of them but because you just want to have a bigger network and a bigger circle of friends because you never know what they can benefit from you what you can benefit from them so once you have that mindset that i want to build a circle i want to build relationships let me give you an example when i passed out of pen and i gave the new york bar i had 3 months to network 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 and land a job it was very very hard incredibly hard because you have just given the new york bar exam you don't know whether you have passed it yet so you don't know how to tell a law firm to hire you because you still don't have the credentials yet to communicate to them that why they should hire you uh, all that you have is what you have done previously in back in india and so what is important i i sent like 300 emails and probably 12 of them responded but it's fine do not take things personally it's very important in life as you go abroad to realize that it is important to get little thick skinned you know we tend to be in india take things very personally feel little bad you know this partner has not replied to my email it's totally fine sometimes probably that partner is really genuinely busy so as we learn in criminal law give them the benefit of doubt it is okay you know um and do that exercise meet people and one of the things i suggest going about networking for job specifically is that make a list be a little organized make a list of law firms that you want to target number 2 find out which is the domain area that is interesting to you so it could be antitrust for me it was capital markets for somebody else it could be litigation see who are those who are the partners who have most experience in those um 
you know areas number 3 is that whichever law school that you end up doing your llm there will be career career service provider you know in the department within the law school speak to them take an alumni list from them and see who has gone to which law firm who right. is doing what some people have completely different professions some people have left law and you know started their own bakery or something but yeah. you will never lose by just speaking to them and getting their insight into you did you know say example you did a top law firm job for 10 years and then you decided to do this what is it that prompted you to do that show genuine interest in people uh, people love to talk about people look at what i am doing right <laughs> uh, people love to talk about themselves uh, and so it is important to show curiosity in their life story what is it that they did ask them open ended questions and i'm going to throw out a couple of questions that i learned you know ask your senior or whoever you speak to in networking what does a good day look like to you uh, you know why is it that you decided to do this job what is it in hindsight if you look back 10 years down the line what advice would you give a junior who wants to emulate your trajectory that also makes the senior feel like they are worthy of something and everybody at the end of the day wants to feel valued by asking these open ended questions you can make the other person feel valued and then they would be more than interested and invested in you that's what you want to get at making them interested and invested in you and making them your mentors and sponsors is the best way to land a job because if nothing even if you don't you know land a job on day 1 you will always get some or the other nuggets of wisdom from a senior who is you know say example a partner at jones day you have networked with and you know that partner tells you that i know about an opening in another law firm and i think you would be befitting send me a resume i will speak to them and that's exactly how this game of networking works you know um so it's small pieces of the puzzle but you need to have faith dedication and uh, you know genuine interest in knowing people Wow thanks thanks a lot for sharing that uh, really practical piece of advice ma'am i have just one specific question regarding llms before we move on to other areas um yep. your llms were very specific in in the area of corporate law but a lot of students also pursue general llms what are yep. your views on specialized versus general llms with specific regard to obtaining a job which is not in academia right got it so i would say that you know most law schools in the us except for i think nyu and stanford offer general llms so even what i did was a general llm but the difference is that when i do a general llm what it means let me just clarify so an llm in the us i means that you as an llm master student you will be uh, sitting and attending lectures and classes with the american jd students which is their llb equivalent okay now it is very different for them for them llb is not straight out of 12th grade llb is out of an undergrad so llb which is the jd equivalent is a graduation graduate degree for americans it is not an undergraduate degree so it is important to understand that why because the age group of people will be a little you know little more between the range of 25 to 30 as against in india where at the age of 18 or 19 you are doing your llb you know yeah. so it's it's different so their perspective is different their life experiences are different somebody would have already worked in a mcdonalds or a starbucks or you know any other company and then decided to pursue law so they have very different perspective so general llm means i'm sitting with everybody in class every, all the jd students so there is no distinction between them and i we are all the same 
I what I decided to do is I wanted to specialize in capital markets. So I chose subjects which were specifically around capital markets. And the reason I chose Penn was also because my I realized that in the US, the most heavily regarded, you know, revered professor of capital markets and securities regulation is Professor Jill Fish, who teaches at the University of Pennsylvania. And so I decided to go to Penn while I had some admits from other law schools as well. But it is important for law students who are watching this to realize and remember, do not opt for a law school just because it is number one or number two on, you know, on the Ivy League list. Um, that that alone is not important. That is not to say it is not important. It does matter. Brand value does matter. But that is not the whole and soul. It is important to see, for example, if you like, you know, regulatory aspects of the law or litigation, you must go and study in D.C. It is a much better place to be in if you want to do heavy corporate capital markets, either go to Penn, go to New York City, because that will give you the breadth and opportunity to network with a lot of law firm partners, you know, attend seminars, workshops, all of those things. Um, so so that that's what I would say. Great. Thanks for that, ma'am. Um, so ma'am, coming back to your own experience, uh, after your uh, LLM from Pennsylvania, you obtained a job at Linklater's in the Singapore office. And Linklater's yeah is a law firm that a lot of Indian students aspire to. They're always applying to their vacation schemes and whatnot. <laughs> so uh, please share your experience of uh, getting the job with Linklaters and what was it like for you to work in Singapore? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was phenomenal in one simple word. But if I were to just detail a little more, I think when I, you know, when I managed to get a job at Linklaters, it was almost like a dream come true because I had written down somewhere in my personal diary that I wanted to work at a magic circle law firm. Yeah. And it felt like it came to reality, um, you know. And in Singapore, my experience was very, very good because what um, Linklater Singapore gave me is that it gave me a lot of opportunity to lead right from the get-go. So, you know, managing client expectations, speaking to them, uh, collaborating and working within the team to find solutions to then take back an answer to the client. But I was the main go-to contact person on almost every deal. And that's number one that, you know, that was the best thing about Linklaters. It gave me that opportunity. It was very overwhelming, very nerve-wracking, I will confess. But whatever does not push you does not make you a stronger person. So it is, you know, it's like whatever does not kill you yeah. was only meant to, you know, you will survive it. And it's about realizing that what does not kill you only makes you stronger. So that's one. I, it was overwhelming for sure. It's not that easy. You suddenly are like grappling, you know, with a different uh, jurisdiction. People are different um, and, you know, client expectations are different uh, and tackling all that in a very different international setting is quite hard. Number two that I loved about Linklaters is, is the people. Um, the people are very invested in your growth, especially, um, I think, you know, from my perspective, as a woman, I will vouch for this, that it's it's a great, you know, they are really invested in diversity, promoting diversity, inclusion, truly making everybody feel assimilated. So it is a fantastic place to work at. And the third thing, is the people that you work with, they are all such exceptionally high caliber that you are pushed to deliver outputs that match to that caliber. There is no 
pressure let me put it this way there is no pressure but you are yourself driven when you are interacting with your colleagues who have you know uh, gone to the best law schools who have really thought about a particular issue you are trying to learn from them uh, out of you know respect and reverence rather than fear or you know getting intimidated so i think those are my experiences in a nutshell in singapore and singapore being the most amazing melting pot in asia from a commercial law perspective corporate commercial law it was the best place to be in and in just terms of singapore i can go on and on i love the place the food the people very nice uh, so i really enjoyed my uh, you know my my time at linklaters and and mm-hmm. the people the seniors that i made they are my seniors for life they are my mentors for life they were so um encouraging with me you know even moving out of linklater so invested in your growth that you realize that these are people who are looking at you from the long term not just short term myopic views wonderful i'm just to quickly circle back to the initial part of this question uh, how did you obtain this job what was that process okay yeah sure so i i will i will say what the truth true story is so i applied to about like 300 law firms in the us i also applied to linklaters in the us and uh, how i did that and i say this to everybody and i'm going to be honest about this and i hope that people benefit from it is that i had a sample email that i used to write and i used to curate it for every law firm partner that i apply to so i went on linklater's website when i was in new york and i saw that there were three partners doing capital markets and i picked up one of the ca- capital markets partners email addresses and i sent an email to him Mm-hmm. when i sent an email to him as usual there was you know so many partners had not responded but he was extremely kind and like an angel god sent who replied to me saying that your resume looks interesting would you be up for a coffee chat and then i we just went out for a coffee chat and i spoke to him about my my ambitions my dreams my hopes what i have done in the past what i have done today what i would like to do in the future and he told me that you know you are not new york qualified yet so it will be difficult to give you a position and there are a lot of visa complications for indian students uh, which is a whole different seminar altogether i'm more than happy to speak to any student who might have questions around it uh, you know please feel free to reach out to me over linkedin and we can always connect but uh, you know i had limited time to get a job so he told me because my uh, there was a visa restriction that did not allow me to stay in the us beyond 3 months after you take the new york bar so that was about 10 days before my visa deadline was getting over it was super high pressured time he told me that you know why don't you why don't i put your resume to our singapore team and that's how singapore worked out um so i just really got lucky i would say uh, you know a kind of everything aligned at the right time by god's grace um and so i genuinely believe i'm i've been truly blessed and when i interviewed with the singapore team there were seven rounds of interviews there was a watson glazer aptitude test that you need to give to get into these magic circle law firms we give that you obviously need to clear those all those rounds and then 3 days before my visa expires is when i got the singapore job offer and then i I moved from the US to Singapore. Wow, that's that's so inspiring, ma'am. And thank you so much for sharing your journey. So quickly moving on to the final set of questions. Um after Singapore you then moved to London from where you are joining me today. Uh, so yeah. what prompted the move to London and how has your experience been of being a capital markets associate with the law firm here in England? 
Yeah, sure. So right now I'm working with an American law firm uh, called Cleary, Gottlieb, Steen and Hamilton. And, um, you know, they, I'm based out of their London office. And what prompted my move, I would say there were many personal reasons that were at play, which prompted my move uh, from Singapore to London. I absolutely loved Singapore. I absolutely loved Linklater's and, uh, you know, but it, there were personal reasons that made me decide to come to London. And now that I'm here, I totally enjoy this, um, this space, this uh, working environment. It is very different. Uh, but I can see how the skill sets I learned at Singapore and at Linklater's really complement and serve as such a strong foundation for me because I learned a lot of you know, client expectation management skills at Linklater's in Singapore, um, being able to collaborate and work within a team in a COVID setting, you know, <laughs> online environment. Uh -huh. which I'm also doing here in London. It's completely online, still working from home. Uh, but it really, I can see how every block that I built over, you know, so many years helps me in standing where I am today. And obviously, again, kind of keep building blocks. Uh, but in terms of, you know, why I made the move to London, it was, it, there, were, there was only personal reasons for it. Um, and today, while I'm here, it's a different experience, but it's, it is great. Yeah. Bam, now you have worked with uh, some of the finest law firms in India. You've worked with a magic circle firm in Singapore, and now you're working for an American firm in London. So yeah. who better than you to talk to us about corporate law firm culture in various <laughs> countries? Because in India, from what I hear, uh, you'll have to put in interminably long hours. Often there is very little work-life balance. What has yeah. your experience been like working across jurisdictions? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to try and be as honest as I can and not sugarcoat this. I think there is no there is no other route to uh, succeeding in this profession except for hard work. Um, yes, it does sometimes translate to long hours. I will acknowledge and accept that. It would be a lie to say that every day is nine to five, not at all. I will instead say, if you expect a nine to five job, probably this is not the right profession and choice for you. And that's fine. Different people have different choices. Yeah. Um, it is important to make peace and acceptance with the choices that you make. In the today's millennial and Gen Z generation, we are very awed by something that somebody has done on LinkedIn, but we are probably not as awed and not as ready to live through the difficulty and hard work or you know burning the midnight oil mm -hmm. that that person has gone through so it is important to remember that you cannot separate the icing from the base of the cake you know it's a lot that's gone in to build that uh, very important to remember that which oftentimes we forget so yes um, I will say that work hours can be very crazy sometimes especially when a particular transaction and a deal is like just going to launch on the market but I will say that it is very personally rewarding. And this depends on what truly is your passion. So if you are genuinely passionate about solving a client's problems, thinking about solutions, you know, coming out with a creative analytical idea that can benefit a corporate governance structure that the client should, uh, you know, make amendments to, which can benefit them from a regulatory perspective or providing them advice, which can help them solve, um, you know, a very big issue or even help them, uh, you know, ensure that they don't spend out 200 millions uh, is something that's very personally gratifying to me. It could be different things that, you know, make people, um, so you should do what rocks your boat. But in terms of the culture, I would say 
that um, different law firms have very different cultures and it is very important to choose law firms based on the culture that they um, they promulgate, the culture that they stand up for. Uh, I have been very lucky and blessed both the law firms internationally that I have worked have great culture, amazing humans, uh, people that you truly want to work with every single day. I don't feel like, oh my God, why do I need to deal with this person ever? Uh, so collaborative, very understanding that, you know, sometimes you have personal pressure, sometimes you want to attend. Like there are times when I can tell my senior, I have a personal birthday party to attend my nephews. Can I just go? And that person will be like, don't worry, I will take care of this. But, and all of this, the rock solid foundation for all of this that is important for law students who are listening to this to take away is communication, communication, communication. You need to communicate with your seniors right from the start, build a rapport with them, Try to see them not just as your work colleagues, but also more like your mentors who will who you are invested in, who are invested in you, you know, from whom you can really learn, uh, to whom you can also help and contribute in whatever, you know, work they do. Um, so when you try to follow that, the culture around you automatically uh, shifts in many ways. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, your surroundings are a true reflection of how you are. Um, and so it is important that to realize number one yes there will be long hours i have long hours many times but i can tell you as a corporate capital markets lawyer i don't know in corporate there is mna and there are so many other things i can speak to capital markets it is very cyclical in nature so there are times when i am extremely busy and like you know dying kind busy you know like 12 14 hour work days right. But those are periods. So it'll be like one month is like crazy. Lots of work because, you know, suppose, for example, the Federal Reserve has announced something. And because of that announcement, all the borrowers and companies in the world want to maximize the profits before something happens. Example, this is just a hypothetical example. So all the clients want to do all the deals now. You know, so it's like a now, now mode yeah. versus there could be times like for the last three weeks, it has been fairly, very normal, very manageable. Uh, so it's not a set in stone that every day mm -hmm. you will be killing yourself to 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. But there will be times you cannot say I will not want to do any work on the weekends at all because sometimes and let me give you an example for law students listening sometimes I really don't have any billable work over the weekend but I want to do a lot of reading just to catch up on what I don't know and there is a ton like that because when you move to international law firms you will realize the kind of questions that clients ask you a lot of things will go right above your head you know, so um, your senior will assist you and guide you in answering on the spot at that point in time in order to, you know, provide solutions to the clients. But at the end of the day, you need to do the legwork. You need to pull up the law, read, see, are there any case laws around it? What are dissenting judgments? How did the law develop? All that homework has to be done. And unfortunately, the truth is all this does not get done in an eight hour day. Right. So thanks for sharing that, ma'am. And because we're coming uh, to a close, we're running short of time. There's just one question that I cannot miss. Uh, yeah, you sure. were admitted to the coveted New York bar. And uh, <laughs> as you all understand, the preparation for the New York bar can be nerve wracking. Can you just talk to us about your experience? And if someone's trying to uh, write the New York bar as well, what, what are some of the things that they should keep in mind? Yeah, sure. I'm going to give very practical tips that 
I benefited from, and I'm so grateful for the senior who told me those. Um, so number one, it is an exceptionally hard exam. It is not as easy as um, the Indian exams that I have given, and I've given the solicitor's exam also and passed that, which is equally hard. But I will say probably New York bar was the hardest exam I have given in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very stressful uh, because we are competing as Indian law students who have just studied New York bar syllabus for two, three months. We are competing against American JD students who know the system very well in and out, who have studied it for three years, who have lived in the system. So number one, in order to pass the New York bar, Everybody obviously always will take up, you know, the course providers. So there are there's Kaplan, there's Themis, there's Barbary, and there are like many others. So I would say number one, whichever course provider, I'm not recommending any one course provider. You can choose to do any. Literally all of them are the same. I would say whichever course provider you choose, stick to their schedule to the T which means just to give an example so that people understand as a student preparing, I used to be told by my course provider that you are today at 27%. This is day 12. You need to be at 46% by end of the day. Come what may, you have to stick to that schedule. Because remember, they have an algorithm. They have tested it 1 million times. They know what it takes to prepare. Okay, so trust and do it diligently. Okay, that's number one. Number two, is you know when getting into the weeds of preparing for the new york bar i would strongly recommend there is a kaplan pmbr uh, gold standard course to take while preparing for the new york bar that that is essentially just a 200 uh, you know multiple choice question uh, booklet which is provided and you need to take it one month before you actually give the new york bar and then there is a 16 hour video lecture to watch detailed analysis of every question's answer wow. watch that very very thoroughly because that will help you know what you don't know okay that's number tip number 2 number 3 do not put all your eggs only in the multiple choice question basket. So the New York bar is divided into two days. Day one is multiple choice questions. Day two is essay writing. Actually, it's the reverse. Day one is essay writing. Day two is multiple choice questions for six hours. A lot of people think that let me study and put all my eggs into the multiple choice question basket because either I'm right and I get the mark or I don't. No, the New York bar exam does not work like that. You need to also study and pay equal and enough importance to the essay side. I know a whole lot of students who have had to take this exam multiple times only because they did not think the essay portion was that important. And I can tell you personally, I did a SWOT analysis before I started studying for the exam. So I I studied three months every single day, no Saturday, Sunday for 12 hours each day period. That is a given. You have to do that if you want to pass the exam. Number two, when I started, I did a SWOT analysis. So I realized I am terrible at multiple choice. That's not my forte at all. I am very bad at it. So what I did is that I paid 70% attention to essay type and about 60-30% attention to, like I did 60-40. But that is to say, figure out your strengths. Don't just go by everybody saying, please focus on multiple choice. Some people do not have multiple choice as their forte. And remember one last thing, the New York bar is all about double negatives. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary, this is what happened. And the situational will confuse the hell out of you. You have two minute, eight seconds, 
per question. Wow. Questions are this long with five options. You don't have to choose the right answer because there is no one right. You have to choose the best answer. And that is harder because all of them are right, which is best, which is better than the other is what you need to choose. And there are 14 laws that you have studied. You need to know which law applies to this question, which rule under the law applies to the question. Number three, the question will invariably be on the exception to the rule. So knowing those things are very important. But if you do dedicated three months of study and have a fixed mindset that this is do or die, I am going to do it. We can all do it. I truly believe that. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for your answer and for sharing your experiences with us, ma'am. I think with this, you can come to an end of today's conversation. Uh, thank you so very much for taking time out of your really busy schedule and speaking with oh, me. I'm thank sure you. a lot of people will benefit from it. Uh, thank you so much, Sarthak. I mean, it really means a lot to me uh, to be able to do this. And I genuinely hope that students are able to benefit. And I will leave this platform with only one thing that, you know, uh, believe in yourself, believe in your potential. Um, if you if you put your mind to doing something, we can all do everything great. And there is no one definition to success. So don't get hooked on to, oh, X person has, has such a great LinkedIn profile. I need to completely do that. Um, you can create your own success in your own way. There is no one definition to it. Um, and don't let society tell you this is what it needs to be. Uh, students should feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to share my personal story. Again, if there is any, you know, any more questions, I'm more than happy to answer them and assist. Thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, with this, I yes. will stop recording.